Hi, my name is Natalie Jennings, and I am a photographer and a podcaster at A Face Project, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams Podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams Podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams, episode number 123. I am so excited, guys. I'm so excited. One, yeah, we're in, we're into the three digits, which you already know, but I have a new friend who is on the show today. Her name is Natalie Jennings, and Natalie just went the minimalist route, and she sold most of her stuff and is setting out to explore new places this fall in 2017, and she's actually, I think, in the middle of that. She's a photographer, teacher, and founder of A Face Project, which received a 2013 Minnesota State Arts Board Artist Initiative grant. Her photo work has appeared in The Atlantic, The Huffington Post, The Guardian, and Mojo. And I saw her amazing talent on display at Podcast Movement 2017. And it was phenomenal. And she's talented. And she took the headshots of several of my friends and they showed me and I was like, seriously, In like an hour you guys did this. It was amazing. And so she's very busy. She was traveling and I know she has a stop in that she could talk with us today. And I'm grateful. Natalie, welcome to the show. Hey, Amy, thank you so much. Happy to be here. Now you're you're on this little traveling thing. You went minimalist. <laughs> but when you say yeah. when you say you went minimalist, well, I mean, were you a. Maximist before? <laughs> Did you just have a lot of stuff? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and I think there's a, what I'm learning is there are quite a few different iterations of minimalism, you mm-hmm. know, from sort of just carrying everything you own on your back to just really, really downsizing to the sort of, you know, basics that you need and use and not sort of storing stuff, you know, away for like someday kind of thing. Um, so, what, so, so what level are we talking here? I had a lot of stuff that I sort of started accumulating in high school. And um, when I moved away to college, stored most of it just like in my parents' garage. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, just, you know, we all collect stuff. So I had tons of tons and tons of books. My background is um, I was an English high school English teacher. Um, I did my graduate work in education. So I had books and books and books and books just stuff like living in a climate like Minnesota's you end up with a ton of winter stuff a ton of summer stuff I don't know just stuff and I I took uh, I sort of started this travel journey earlier um, actually January of 2017 I flew out to Hawaii where I went to college I lived there for about six years so I have a lot of friends out there and I I took my carry-on and my guitar and I ended up staying for four months I hadn't planned it but I, I stayed for four months and I had like a yoga mat in a bed and my suitcase for four months. And of course, like the ocean and all the other cool stuff. But I got home and kind of lost it a little bit. I was like, what on earth am I going to do with all this stuff? So 
I started the slow um, process of kind of emotionally parting with things and physically parting with things. And, and I've gotten it down to what can fit in my Volkswagen GTI. Really? Yeah. Yeah, mostly. I mean, there's like a bin of photos I still have to scan. So those are going to kind of stay behind until I can get through them all. But for the most part, um, yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. Because you're not wrong, right? Uh, in high school, I saved stuff. My parents saved stuff. I have stuff from college. I have boxes upon boxes of stuff that I haven't even gone through, which I probably should. Because, you know, after this conversation in particular, I'm like, how much of this stuff do I even remember or would want to keep, um, you know, which is a great thing. And here you are, you live four months with just all those things, just, just that. Yeah. I mean, I, I lived in a house where I obviously could use like the coffee maker in the morning, but, um, yeah, for the most part, that's, that's how it rolled out. And it was, it was really liberating and it was very eye opening, you know, um, in terms of, yeah, how much we, we sort of just keep and, and don't use. Was that the spontaneous, uh, I've really got to get there, I only have this stuff? Or was that intentional on your part to only take that much stuff? Yeah, well, uh, one of my best friends was having a baby shower and I offered to do maternity photos and hadn't seen her in a long time and, and sort of went out thinking, I bought a one-way ticket thinking, I'll just see kind of who I end up meeting up with of you know my old friends and buy my ticket home when I have a better idea of, of what I'm doing, so... This room opened up through a friend of a friend that was right on my favorite beach, Waimanalo Beach, and um, I couldn't turn it down. So I just stayed. <laughs> okay. So I, I ended up. <laughs> I have so many questions. I'm okay. like, so, because I think what happens is when people mm. listen to this, they're like, did you guys hear? Natalie was in a position where she could be not here for four months. Like she could figure this out. Now, did you? have a job or ties that, you know, you were able to remove remotely or work remotely? Or is it like you kind of just went off the grid, so to speak, for four months and you were just in that position? Did you set it up that way? That's amazing. Well, I'm really glad that you asked that because people, that's sort of like the next, the segue, you know, uh, question. But when I started my photo business eight years ago, that was the goal. It was to be able to have control over my time. Time has always been my motivator. Flexibility has always been my motivator. And I, I think I probably work more hours now than I did even as a high school teacher. But I really wanted a lifestyle where I could um, not live for the weekends and not live for this two-week vacation thing that, you know, average corporate job or, or even, you know, teachers, we get summers off, but not really. You're doing a lot of work throughout. So, I um I had it in mind kind of all along, but last winter was the first winter I was able to really try it out. I, I just saved um, extra wedding income from the summer and the fall. So I had a little bit of padding and just kind of, um, I've always rented. I don't own a house. So um had someone, my roommate just stayed in the house and um, I don't have kids, but even if I had kids, I'd probably figure out a way to make the lifestyle work, you know, um, I think that it's achievable and accessible if, if there's a little bit of planning involved. Now, it sounds like your passion is in photography, but you also were a high school teacher. Was there a reason that you went the teaching route first? Were you doing both simultaneously? Like, what, how did that come about? 
Yeah, no, that's a good question too. So I was teaching my, my graduate work was like an inner city focus. So, so I taught in an inner city high school and, um, the teaching came first, I think, um, mainly because photography at, at the time that I was going to school to be a teacher was still very brick and mortar studio based. The idea of going into the same studio every day really didn't inspire me. I didn't, um, you know, and the whole like website, blog, Facebook, all that stuff hadn't really taken off, you know, at the, in the early 2000s <laughs> yet. So, so my idea of what it was like to be like a professional photographer just sort of was this like, like studio photographer vibe. And it just didn't, didn't resonate with me. And I, and I also really like people. I always thought maybe teaching would be fun. I like reading. So like English teacher and having summers off kind of seemed like a good fit. So I was teaching inner city high school kiddos and I, and a lot of them couldn't afford senior portraits. So that was kind of like the first time I was like, maybe I'll try this out. And I, I did a lot of like portraits for those kids and found that I really liked it because we were just going to parks and like around the city. And I realized like, Hey, like this is totally something I want to do. So I just kind of went crazy from there and, and built my business. Were, were you doing that as a hobby? Did you like when you were taking their senior portraits, is that something that you had a background in already? Or were you like, Hey, they really need that. I bet I could figure out how to do photos let me do that. Yeah. No, that's a good question too. Um, I, I had a little bit of, um, you know, like hobby interest in it. I, I certainly always enjoyed photography and would take my, you know, cameras with me on trips and stuff like that. But I, I was just starting to learn about kind of the current digital, the DSLR cameras and, and even just the, the basics of like, Photoshop and stuff like that at that point. So it was really kind of a learning, like an excuse to learn more about it at that, at that point. And did you expect to fall in love with it the way you seem to have? No, actually I didn't. I didn't. Um, it was such a, if there's one thing I've learned about <laughs> my personality sort of over the years is that I am not work shy. I will work long, long, long hours, but I, I do really well working for myself. And I, and I, some people don't, some people really need that, that push from, from a boss or, or from a group. Um, but I really thrive having sort of like creative control over what I'm doing. And, and just, I just became completely addicted to the, the feeling of like, oh my gosh, I created this and whoa, there's money coming in and oh my gosh, I'm paying the bills now. And just the sort of day-to-day growth as things started to build was fascinating to me, especially with the internet becoming more accessible and smartphones and all these things that have completely changed uh, business for most of us nowadays. That's an interesting story for me is that, you know, you had no intention of going down this road. You were doing something you, you loved as well. It was different but you loved it, but it had these qualities you didn't necessarily want to do. Meaning, I mean, when you, when you're a high school teacher, you kind of have to be there. You can't really be in Hawaii and teach high school. Right. So it doesn't offer that, that flexibility that you were looking for. And then here you find something you are passionate about, you, you do enjoy, and you know that you want a lifestyle that's different. Did you kind of see it forming that way? Like, Hey, I could make this work. Yes, I did. And I um, had just gotten married at that point. And um, 
he was a traveling musician at the time. So um, this sort of just piecing together gigs and, and playing music and, and seeing that it doesn't actually take much if you don't have enormous expectations for your lifestyle and your, your, your you know, liquid income or whatever. Um, like it's, it's just a, a little bit of piecing stuff together and getting gigs and you can, you can really build, I could see that, that it was possible. And I, I didn't have any like specific goals, uh, financially other than like, okay, if I can pay the bills and be, you know, take a trip once in a while, or maybe I started going on tour and doing pictures for the band and mm -hmm. doing stuff like that. So that was super fun. Cause we'd be on the road together. And, um, it just kind of, I just kept following kind of the unfolding of it. And it, it really, I just tried to stay open to it. I try not to panic about money and just stay like, relatively confident that like, okay, there's an industry, there's a need for this. And there's always going to be a need for wedding photographers and senior portrait photographers and that kind of thing. So it, it just kind of, um, evolved into this, this lifestyle that it is now. And it, it took a lot of work. I, I, I certainly have people say, particularly when they hear the story about this year, like with Hawaii and all the traveling I've done, I've been away a lot more than I've been home. Um, like, oh, you're so lucky. And, and I totally feel that way. I feel blessed and there, I have a lot of gratitude and appreciation for my lifestyle, but it, it was very carefully planned out. It certainly wasn't like someone just handed me, you know, the keys to a, a job and I was suddenly just in this position. So it was, it was thought out over, over a lot of years. And I guess it's because you were able to unfold it, um, you know, gradually. Like, do you think looking back, you know, it's, they say hindsight's twenty twenty and all, but looking back, if you could, do you think you could have just kind of jumped straight into this immediately? Do you think that would have worked? Because I think sometimes people think, you know, if I can't do it immediately, then this just ne never going to happen. But you've kind of made it happen over time. I'm just wondering what would happen if you tried it differently? Yeah. And I mean, obviously, that's a difficult question to ask without trying. But I do think that each scenario is is really different. And I... um I don't know. I mean, I, I certainly think that it might have worked, but I've learned that for myself, I, I work really well with a sense of urgency. So when I kind of decided that I didn't want to come back to teaching the next year, mm -hmm. um, that was like the fire that was like, okay, you've got this much time to, to make this much money before you have to interview for teaching jobs again. And um, that that worked really well for me. Some people don't work well with that kind of pressure. Um, other people do. I, I think it's just so dependent on the the scenario because I certainly believe that anybody can make something work if they really want it to work. It definitely is one of those things where you, my mom always said, right? If where there's a will, there's a way. You can yeah. Make it happen. And, and it seems like you've done that. You've done that very thing. I mean, talking about it now, you're traveling, right? You just, um, we had spoken earlier and you had said the mostly in the month of October, you were going to be traveling. Is this traveling for pleasure? Is this traveling for a project? Do you mind sharing? No, not at all. Um, yeah. So October took me to Israel and Palestine and Paris. Wow. Um, I was gone about 20, 22 or three days. So I was gone most of the month. Um, Israel and Palestine were part of a photography job that I was hired to do for a nonprofit that does 
it's a group of doctors that do um, medical care um, with, they sort of team up with different groups to get their foot in the door and, and explore the needs of different places around the world. I went with them to Guatemala last December. And um, my job is just to take photos of the work they're doing, sort of like them interacting with patients, um, the sort of surrounding areas, you know, showing where they are and kind of the vibe and trying to get a little like cultural flavor in photographs. Um, and then they use those for their social media feeds and their websites and stuff like that. So they asked me to come along to, um, Israel and then we went into the West bank. Um, and then I have oddly enough, two friends in, in Paris that are both having babies this month. And so I hadn't seen either of them in a little while and I had never actually been to Paris. Um, and so I decided, I'll do some maternity photos for you on my my way home. <laughs> so. That's amazing. I mean, what an experience to to do that. Did you think photography would take you across the world like that? No. And that's like, that's one of the things that every now and then it sort of crosses my mind, like that my can when I have my camera in my hand, like this, this thing's really brought me so many places when I think of random tours with bands through Germany and you know, like, like in the Northern Vietnam or like just random or even just weird, like (laughs) campgrounds in the middle of Wisconsin where people are starting wedding venues and just, I don't know, it's been, it's been super interesting and, and really fun to just sort of see where, where it takes me. Do you think that having uh, confidence in just what you're doing helps? Like if you, had doubted this direction that you were going on, do you think it would have been more difficult or even now? Do you think that plays a part into your next day and your outlook for the next near future? Yeah. I mean, I think, I certainly think confidence is, uh, is important. You know, um, I really believe that thoughts become things. So if you sort of look at the room you're sitting in right now, most of the things in that room, assuming it's your house or your room or whatever, um, (laughs) were previous thoughts you once had. So if you're having, you know, those same thoughts about yourself day in and day out, like I'm horrible at this or I'm never going to make it or, or the, the converse of that, if you're like, I'm, I'm doing all right. Like I'm learning, I'm growing, I I can do this. Um, I I really believe that that's going to show up in, in your work later on and, um, and in how things sort of shake out. And I, so I have to ask, how did a face project come about? Okay. So I was doing the photo thing for, I had been doing it maybe like four years full time. And I, um, I just really wanted to do something more personal that wasn't like wedding photography. Not that I don't enjoy what I do, but it just, I needed to shake it up a little bit. And I, um, you are more than just that. (laughs) And I, um, I decided to, to do stories. I had this, like I wanted to do portraits of people, but then the vocal element of interviewing them sort of came into it. And it started out as slideshows. So like you'd go to the website and it was like the audio and then it was of the people telling their story. And then it was photos that I had taken. Um, and then that evolved into what is now a face project podcast. And then that, um, those photos and the audio get transcribed and put into a quarterly, um, digital and print magazine. So it's kind of like this been this process, but I, it was really just out of, um, 
wanting to experiment with photography and then it just kind of, I don't know. I don't know how the audio became a thing. I, it just, it was, it just kind of happened. I mean, it's amazing what you're doing with it. I saw the booklet that you brought to podcast movement and just, that's just a glimpse of what yeah. you're doing. And it was, I mean, the quality and the stories that you had to share were just, it's great. I mean, I'm glad you're you're sharing that talent and that those stories with the world the way you oh. are. And guys, there's going to be a link to a face project in the show notes for you to check out because I do recommend you do that. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I, I have to give a, a shout out to Aaron Woods. He, he does a lot of my design and layout stuff. He'll sort of throw it together and show me and then we'll tweak it together. But that magazine wouldn't be possible without his um, his expertise. So it's been it's been a lot of fun, and and I think it's, it, as it evolves even more, I'm I'm recognizing the um, the value of giving other people just a platform. The the podcast edits it's not conversational like this. I edit myself out, so it's first person um, stories. So the the people I I introduce it, but once the story starts, it's just them kind of telling telling their story, and um, and then again the photographs to go along with it on the website. So. It's been, um, I think, really valuable for the storytellers themselves and then hopefully inspiring and motivating and, you know, helping other folks that are, are hearing some of the some of the more difficult stories about addiction and cancer survival and that kind of stuff. I think have we've gotten emails about um, that being really positive for other people. And here's the thing. This isn't just you. I mean, you're the creator and the founder of this project, but you have so many people in addition to Aaron uh, on your team. And was that, was this natural? People just kind of gravitated to what you were doing? Or did you seek them out? Did you think, hey, this is something worth a team? Yeah, I mean, the idea of having a team always, I, I'm sort of a more the merrier kind of person. I love people. I love just hanging out. And I it just seemed like a fun idea. So Aaron and I kind of started working together. And then once the magazine started coming out, I realized that not doing all the copy editing myself would be beneficial. So, so that kind of happened. And then social media stuff. Um, we're taking a short pause through the holidays, but we'll be back in January. So everyone's kind of just having a, a, a little mini break. But yeah, it's been really fun bringing everyone together and, um, and just seeing what different people bring to it. You know, I, I think it's easy when you're a creative person and even – I'm super guilty of this because, as I said, I love having creative control and working on my own. But mm -hmm. hearing what other people bring to the table or or what their perspective is 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 part of the fun. Now, is this something that you kind of, or just even your journey, that you kind of look to others to help kind of figure it out what you were going to do step by step? Because sometimes when you're, you know, we often look, hey, why I don't want to recreate the wheel somebody else has done this let me kind of look at what they've done and make it my own for me and how it works for me was that something you did or did you create I don't know if it's a wheel or, or your own travel <laughs> to the next to, to your destination where you are today was that something you did because sometimes people just don't know where to start right right well I think um I think there's a lot to be said about having an idea, but also being open to it evolving into something you might not have seen, mm -hmm. because that's exactly what happened with this project. And um, I think if 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 you're too rigid about 
what you're setting out to do. Um, if you don't have the feedback from other people and you don't sort of relax into what's working and what's not, um, I think sometimes the way things evolve can really, can really surprise, um, can surprise you. And, and that's, that's what happened. That's really what happened with this project is just sort of being open to the feedback, but also open to just, um, just letting it happen and, and seeing where it, seeing where it goes. Does that mean though, that you don't have goals necessarily? I mean, cause I mean, are you happy with how things fall out or do you have like a bucket list or a set of criteria that you want to see this project and your efforts reach? Yeah, of course. I mean, goals are incredibly important. I think in any sort of this, particularly in a business endeavor, you know, the more specific you can be and, and this might sound like the opposite of what I just said, but having specific goals really holds you accountable to your work. So, okay, we're going to put out two podcasts a month, or we're going to put out one magazine a quarter, that kind of stuff, I think is necessary to just stay on track. And I'm, I'm a big fan of, of having, having goals, but I'm also a fan of like, things just changing, like, oh, what if we transcribed the podcast and made a magazine? Oh, that's cool. You know, that kind of stuff just sort of it wasn't all on the table on day one, you know, it, it just sort of grew and grew and grew and grew. And I think that's, I think that's part of the fun. But I also think trying to have all of it on the table on day one can can really paralyze you when you're um, setting out to do something. So it's almost like, choose the thing, you know, whether it's like the podcast or the photographs or whatever, and and, and get that kind of settled and then and then add to it and see, see what grows from there. I think that's great advice, if only because you don't limit yourself in that way, especially with the way technology and everything's changing. I mean, so you, you, you're a professional photographer. Are you taking photos on, on an iPhone or a smartphone, a Samsung? Well, (laughs) I always joke that I'm like horrible at iPhone photos. I really, I don't, I think I've just gotten so used to, I just, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like, no, mm -mm. (laughs) it's just not. I mean, of course I do. Who doesn't? But like, I, this in my mind, I want to do this other thing, like, you know, that my other camera does easily. And I, so I don't, I don't think I do it as much, um, just cause I usually have a camera with me and, and a lot of my work, um, I just pull off a smug mug and, and post on Instagram or whatever. So I, it's, it's accessible from my other camera, but of course, you know, for, for certain things, if it's, I think, you know, there's, um, that saying, you know, the best camera is the one you have with you. So, um, being able to take a decent photograph with any camera is, is always a challenge. And one that I, I try to, I try to get better at the phone thing, but it's not my forte. It was just, it's ironic given the changing technologies and and mentioning that with Samsung having amazing quality photos on their camera and iPhone with their new iPhone X and eight plus and whatnot. You know, I didn't know what a, what a professional photographer would do, but so you would take photos. You're not necessarily the best at it, but, you know, the camera is the best one you have on you, huh? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I sometimes will joke when I have sort of a what I would consider a nervous group of people at a wedding. I'll just take out my iPhone and pretend that that's what I'm doing the formals with. And usually that loosens people up a little bit. But um, yeah, I'm working on the, the, the iPhone thing still. It's all right. We can't be perfect at everything. 
we gotta we gotta improve so we have to leave a little bit of of Aww. improvement otherwise you just think you're perfect and then natalie what are we going to strive for <laughs> oh man yeah iphone not so perfect but we'll get there well with each of your photos you tell a story and it's it's i'm I'm actually on your website now and I'm looking at some of the things you've taken and it's just amazing how much is told in one photo. If someone was learning to be a photographer, right? What advice would you give them in that? Is there anything you can, you can give as advice to help someone with that? Or is that just kind of natural? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question because I think we all set out to do different things. Um, all, whether you're a writer or a musician or a photographer, I think at first you're kind of, um, copying, you know, you see, you find your favorite artists and you kind of start to write songs like them or draw pictures like them or whatever your thing is. And so, um, I found along the way that, um, I loved the sort of details of storytelling, um, you know, taking a picture of like a coffee mug on a table at someone's house along with all their portraits and stuff, but it sort of evolved into, I, I was much more interested in more portraiture and more like movement, catching people sort of in in the state of moving. And, and so I started exploring that. And I think that, again, we're all drawn to different things. I, I had an opportunity to be a food photographer for a couple of years. I never would have thought that that was something ever that I'd want to do. And it was really fun. And, you know, food photography is pretty static and basic. But um, I think trying different things out and... Um, yeah, I don't know. Just um, being open to what um, you're drawn to. I have one exercise that I have. I teach a photo business course about how to build a photography business. And I I, um, I have one exercise where I have people just stand in one spot and shoot. Just shoot for, I don't know, two to five minutes. And you can turn 360, but just shoot what grabs you and then look at the scene again and shoot something else and then look at it again. Watch how maybe the light changes or the people move or wherever you're standing. And it's, it's amazing how you can, how you can practice different techniques like that to really um, explore what you're naturally drawn to, because I think, I think that's where your best work is going to be is where you're naturally drawn. That's impressive. I mean, so you can, you can learn things. Is it practice? I mean, with with things being digital, I, I figure that's not hard for people back in the day. You had film and you had to pay for it. You're a little bit yeah. more cautious. Right, right. Of course. Um, practice, gosh, with anything is imperative. There's uh, it's <laughs> it's actually like an Arnold Schwarzenegger quote that I sort of live by. But um, he says everything comes down to reps and you can apply that to learning a language or raising a child or losing weight or learning how to be a business person or whatever it is. It's, it's the persistence, you know, it's like growing your hair out. You're like not going to notice it right away, but you're going to notice it in like a year. Um, the day to day, the like little tiny chipping away things. And, um, that repetition for some things comes quicker than others. Like I've always been a visual person. So photography, Photography came e relatively easy to me, but I mean, the amount that I've learned and, and the amount that I grow every year is sometimes staggering. Like when I look back and I'm like, whoa, that's what I was doing last year. That's so, so, yeah. so you do see, do you do feel like you've come a long way? 
Absolutely. With photography, absolutely. I, I certainly, in eight years, I look back on stuff. I think other photographers listening to this will know exactly what I'm talking about. But there's photo filters you get really excited about. And then you look at them like two years later and you're like, wow, that was... I mean, it's kind of like, you know, in the early 2000s when we'd look back at the 80s and people were like, what were we thinking? And now it's, <laughs> you know, it's just like a thing. It's just, you know, a style that, that comes and goes. So... Unless That'll you're watching, happen to any artist. Unless you're watching Stranger Things and then it becomes cool again. Yeah. Well, now, now that it's like 10 years after, you know, now that we're into the almost the year 2020, I think it's super cool again. So. Oh, yeah. The, um, everything's a circle. Everything will come back. The old school photo for cameras should probably come back, too. Pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there are a lot of amazing photographers shooting all kinds of email. I had a tintype done of myself a couple years ago, which is a really, really early format of photography where it's just on like a, a plate. The photo is on a, a tin plate. And, and that was a, a lot of a lot of fun. So um, people are doing it. People are bringing back all kinds of things. It's crazy. It's crazy. Now, out of curiosity, what kind of camera do you use? I'm I'm a, I'm a Canon shooter, so I'm a big fan of the 5D series. Um, they're full frame, and they're coming out, you know, they just came out with the Mark IV. They're relatively affordable, but they're still expensive professional-level cameras. But they're, I've been shooting Canon since since I started this, and I don't think it matters. I think whatever you're drawn to. I remember walking into the store to get my first DSLR and just picking them up and liking the way Canon felt better. Mm -hmm. That was literally how I made the decision. Because they're both competitors. They're always there's always gonna be one thing that's, you know, better on one than the other, and then the other will catch up and then the other will do something different. And it's, to me it's if you can tell what someone's shooting with when you look at their photos online, then I I would be shocked. So I don't think it matters. That's a good point. I don't think I can ever tell unless you have that put unless you put it underneath, obviously, but Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Otherwise I'm not sure it's really apparent what people shoot. But you take some <laughs> me uh, some beautiful photos, and I think it's more than just the camera. So kudos to you for that. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Before I let you go, though, I have to ask, you know, you are chasing your dream. You're doing something that you're passionate about, living the lifestyle that you want after working so hard. So you're the prime person to ask this. If someone were to come to you and say, hey, Natalie, I'm trying to chase my dream. What do you think I should do? What's one thing I should do today? One thing you should do today is make sure that you believe you can achieve it. You know, work on that. If it, if it means every morning after you do your morning routine, you're like, you, you read some affirmations to yourself or whatever you need to do. But um, that, that mental, the, the positive mindset, the positive attitude through the ups and downs of growing a business and, and the ups and downs. I mean, I, I still go through them. We all do that. That will get you through, you know, you're, as I said, thoughts become things. And if, if you can, if you can turn around a bad day, if you can turn around, um, chastising yourself, if you find yourself in that place, it's going to help you. You may not notice it right away, but over time, it's, it's certainly going to determine how, how well you succeed in how quickly. I love that. I think that's so important. And you worded it really well because it wasn't believe in it. But I think that's one of the hard things that we struggle with is believing that we can achieve it and that we can do it. 
because oftentimes we're so focused on the negative that we forget about the positive and we forget about what we can do. That's right. That's totally right. You know, just look around at what's going well for you, you know, like, do you, you know, and, and work with that and move on from there. Again, the, the reps thing really did change my life because, because when I started looking at things as a day to day, you know, slow movement towards something and, and really just working hard at each of those pieces that day, um, even if they seemed small, they, it makes a difference. All of it makes a difference. Guys, listen to her. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, or, at least she's loving what she's doing, which she's very passionate about. I'm sure it wasn't a perfect road, but it was a road that she's still on, which I think is a testament to her ch- dream chase. So th- Natalie, thank you so much for taking time out of your travels to come on the show and just share your story, which is so inspirational. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. It was great talking to you. And guys, that was Natalie Jennings. How crazy and amazing is her dream chase story? I love it. I love how she is going at it full steam ahead and she is just doing what she loves. It's the kind of story I love to hear. So you guys can learn more about Natalie and find all the links we mentioned over on the show notes page at chasingdreamshq.com slash episode 123. That's episode 123. Until next time, dream chasers, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at chasingdreamshq.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.